Well, here we are again, another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, St. Marie Among the Hurons fires up its candles again for another not-to-be-missed first light celebration, but you might miss it if you don't get a ticket. It's National Addictions Awareness Week. None of us immune. We get tips on how to pull yourself or a family member or a friend out of it. Have you caught World Cup fever? The Simcoe County Rovers have and want to help you catch it too. And for some, Christmas this year will come in a shoebox. But first, maybe the most dreaded letters this fall. RSV, it's filling hospitals, sending parents of young kids scrambling for a remedy. What is it? Who's at risk? Barry 360's Ian McLennan sat down with RVH pediatrician Leah Bartlett to find out. RSV is a virus. It stands for respiratory syncytial virus. This virus has been around for many, many years. Um, And it typically is a virus that tends to, uh, well, it can infect everybody, to be very clear. RSV can cause cold symptoms in most of the population. However, we're particularly worried about RSV in young children and infants. And those would be kids generally under the age of two. In these children in particular, the anatomy of small children, they have very tiny airways, and RSV tends to be a virus that causes lots of mucus and secretions. So when you consider if you have very tiny airways, those can get easily plugged with secretions and can cause problems with kids with their breathing, with their feeding, um, and uh, and with coughing. So those are the particular symptoms that we worry about in, in younger children. Can it generally be treated, you know, with over-the-counter medication or what, you know, what should parents, uh, you know, be aware of and uh, in terms of uh, treatment for this illness? There currently is really no medications specifically that help with RSV, unfortunately. Um, In the hospital, sometimes we use asthma-type medications for kids that do respond to those, but at home on a day-to-day basis, Your choices for treatments would be treating the fever with fever medications like ibuprofen or acetaminophen. Um, For secretion management, we could consider things like um, saline, so that's just a salt water. It can be picked up at the local pharmacy, and you can use a little bit of salt water in each nostril, especially for young babies and infants, and that helps to just loosen up the secretions in their nose. And the other option would be something like a a bulb suction or some sort of a suction device that would help to suction out the mucus from the nose. Uh, And then, of course, supportive treatments like using humidifier in the air uh, at home or in the bedroom, that can help kind of make the mist and and, um, uh, in the environment a little bit looser for, for clearing secretions and making sure that kids are comfortable. Those are the supportive measures that families would generally use in uh, in the home. Why are we seeing this explosive growth in RSV? Um, we know about the situation in children's hospitals in Ottawa, Toronto, elsewhere. Some people are saying, well, this might have to be because everybody was masked up for two years and these young ch- children weren't exposed to the viruses. Why the explosive growth? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail right on the head, Ian. Um, I think the assumption is at this point that RSV is, uh, you know, becoming so virulent this year just because our young kids that are, you know, under the age of three, they really haven't had exposure to these germs in the last few years. 
And so when our body isn't exposed to germs and proteins and viruses, um, it doesn't have the immune uh, knowledge to be able to fight uh, new viruses. So we're more susceptible. Our bodies are just more susceptible to virus and to illness this year. Um, and interestingly enough, we're seeing RSV earlier and uh, so even in the months of July and August, we saw early evidence of uh, RSV. I think the other, uh, the other thing to consider is that it's not just RSV that we're seeing, but also influenza. So influenza A and B both have been very prevalent in our community very early on. And so those two viruses in particular, they can cause lots of severe disease, not only in young children, but also older kids uh, and adults too, to be honest. Well, you're on the front line and with your colleagues, what are you seeing in your office or what are you seeing um, at RVH in terms of the number of young people that might be brought in to the hospital and are some being admitted? We certainly are seeing pediatric surge in our local hospital at RVH. Um, we are seeing and uh, the capacity of our pediatric patients has exploded. Um, so we're often at around 125 to 130% capacity on a daily basis. So that's up to, you know, 10 patients we would see or have admitted in our pediatric floor. Um, and in terms of severity, we're seeing actually increased severity in uh, this patient population. So those kids that maybe would have just gotten away with, you know, cold or flu symptoms, uh, may now be requiring oxygen or hospitalization uh, for dehydration and for breathing, uh, uh, for breathing symptoms. So we're definitely seeing escalation in terms of severity, also in terms of volume of patients. The going around in circles, masks on, masks off, and now the recommendation from, our, uh, from Ontario's top doctor to mask up uh, in most places. Do you see an end, end to this in terms of, you know, we're, we're wearing our masks, we're protecting ourselves, but then we may also be impacting, you know, young children down the road when the masks come off? Is there, you know, where's the win-win in this? That's a hard one, Ian. I think we all just need to remember that we got to stay uh, stay strong and get through this. I think some things that we can remember to do, one is uh, in terms of prevention, get our flu shots. Um, even for kids uh, as young as six months uh, can get flu to prevent hospitalization against flu. Make sure that we're washing our hands, that we're washing surfaces, because RSV especially can stay on surfaces, and that's often how it's transferred. Um, staying home, uh, so thinking about kids who are sick, making sure that they're staying home from school when they're ill, and then masking when you're in public places. And hopefully we'll all get through this. Good advice from Leah Bartlett, Chief Medical Director of Pediatrics at RVH. Thousands of candles and a couple of thousand years of history. The annual First Light celebration is underway at St. Marie among the Hurons, but it comes and goes quickly. Michaela Lefebvre, Marketing Coordinator for Huronia Historical Parks, tells us why you don't want to miss it. So I think it's special because you've got these gorgeous old historical buildings and 5,000 candles um, that are lit. And then we've got fresh seasonal greenery and beautiful decorations. And uh, with the, the night, it really makes um, a magical experience for everybody. So 5,000 candles, are you the lucky one who gets to light them? <laughs> 
I do contribute to the lighting of the candles. We're actually a small uh, but mighty team um, of, uh, I think, about a dozen people, and it takes us two hours to light the candles every night. Um, so we've got a sort of a bucket of barbecue lighters, and we head out there and start at 2 p.m., and we're done at about 4, 4.30 when our guests uh, are lining up out the door. And hope there's no wind in the meantime. Exactly, or too much snow, for sure. It's just an amazing experience from the minute you get there and you see all these candles to all of the other things that are on site. This year, um, as we're back to sort of our regularly scheduled first light programming, so all of the favorite elements of the event that people love. Um, we've got tons of great live musicians, including uh, a harp in the church, uh, hand drumming in the longhouse, and fiddle music in the museum. Uh, and more. And then we've got uh, great historical demonstrations like musket and mortar firing. Uh, we have an outdoor blacksmith. The Birds of Prey are going to be here on Saturday from the Y Marsh. Um, there are activities for kids like uh, seasonal card writing with quills, and we've got storytelling legends in the longhouse and marshmallow roasting on the patio. And then, of course, there's our, our vendor fair. We've got about 50-plus local artisans um, selling uh, like a Christmas market, which is good fun too. So lots to do for everybody. It really takes us back to a time that we can only read about or, or see pictures of. Mm-hmm. I think that is part of why it's called First Light, because, uh, you know, candles and fire are some of the earliest ways that humans lit up the night, right? So um, there's, it's the ambiance of the event that I think brings people back year over year, for sure. Now, there's only specific nights. It's a very short duration, so you, you have to get while the getting's good. That's right. So we've got, um, there are six nights this year, so November 24th, 25th, 26th, December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And we actually ask people to pre-reserve this year um, to make sure that everyone has a good time and that people are spread out through the event. So uh, we are about almost, I think, 91% booked right now. So if you're sort of waiting to book your first light tickets, now is the time. <laughs> Don't waste any. Don't, yeah, we, please come. If you, like we, it's, a, it's a magical time. You won't regret uh, checking out this event. Now, in addition to, to getting yourself booked in, there are time limits as far as when you arrive. There are specific half hours. You can stay as long as you want, but you have to arrive within your specific half hour. That's right, yeah, and that's, again, just to spread people over the event. So uh, I think our time slots are 5.36, 6.37, and 7.30, and the, the time slots that are left are Fridays and Thursdays um, at 7 and 7.30. And the 7 p.m. Thursday time slot is actually when our fireworks are as well. So, and, and there are choirs right after the fireworks, so that's worth uh, checking out. If you're, if you're still looking for a date, Thursdays might be worth booking. And I tell you, the fireworks help warm you up if it's a cold night. <laughs> that and the fire. We have a ton of fires. We, we literally cut a mountain of kindling leading up to this event. Best way to book online? Yes. Uh, book your tickets at stmarie-events.ca. And again, don't, don't wait because they're booking up fast. Michaela Lefebvre, one of the guiding lights at St. Marie among the Hurons. What Barry's Talking About is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry has to offer and more. If you're a first-timer, you have some catching up to do. We've talked about Sasquatches in Simcoe County, met local entertainers, introduced a new take on ping-pong invented by a Barry family, and so much more. You can go back and get caught up and... Make it easy to connect in the future by subscribing to what Barry's talking about through any podcast distributor. 
Still to come on what Barry's talking about, the Simcoe County Rovers Soccer Club is pumped up about Canada's involvement in the World Cup and wants you to get pumped up too. Battling addiction, whether it's you or someone you know, we find the help that's needed. And we get an update on the Shoebox Project, a Christmas campaign to help women and children in crisis. Now this. It's for the smiles on their face. No way! It's for the excitement in their eyes. This is going to be the best Christmas ever! It's about creating memories they'll never forget. When you support the Rock 95 Cool FM Toy Drive, you're giving kids in our community the Christmas they deserve. Until December 19th, drop off a new unwrapped toy at participating Canadian Tire stores in Simcoe County, Toys R Us stores in Barrie, or donate online at 1075coolfm.com. With your generous donation, thousands of children in Simcoe County will feel the love on Christmas morning. Learn more at 1075coolfm.com. Please, help give a kid a Christmas. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. It is National Addictions Awareness Week. The Simcoe County branch of the Canadian Mental Health Association reaching out to let people know they're ready to help. Be it someone acknowledging they have an addiction or a friend or a family member wanting to help. Maria Filuzzi is the clinical team lead in the addiction program locally. She told me addiction is more widespread than you might think. Yes, and it's unfortunate because there's still oftentimes stigma associated with substance use and addiction. And so individuals who are involved in substance use don't necessarily feel comfortable reaching out for support. And so it's really important as a society for us to recognize that addiction can impact anyone at any time. And this is someone's father, someone's mother, someone's sister, someone's brother, and that we should treat it so. We often think about young people when it comes to addictions and and drug addictions, but it it goes much deeper than that, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And oftentimes, um, in my experience with working with youth for so long, oftentimes it can start as experimenting or peer influence and and heading to parties and, and whatnot. And unfortunately, depending on the coping strategies that individuals have in there, I like to call it a toolbox, sometimes it can um, spiral for them. And so again, not recognizing that it can absolutely be completely experimental. And for some people, it can develop into something more and, and something much more complicated. It's peer pressure, I guess, that, that leads some people down this road. And, and I'm gathering it might be peer pressure that helps them come out the other end. It can, and so oftentimes we talk about it in counseling and in therapy around making sure that there are supports in place, and so whether that's through professional supports or through peer supports or family supports, and I think the important piece is recognizing that some people have access to those supports, and unfortunately others may not have um, have those supports readily available, and so it is really important to ensure that we have the resources available and that we are um, helping individuals get connected to those resources, whether it's personal or professional. Difficult for the person who is addicted sometimes to recognize that they are addicted or accept that they are and, and reach out for help. What are some of the signs friends and relatives should be looking for? And that's just it, is is oftentimes the individual may not recognize that they have issues with their substance use, and we get lots of family members who call and access services because they are concerned for their family member or significant other. And so some of the signs that they start to realize are, are 
problematic in their opinion is that they may see some isolation. They may see some changes in behaviors. It could be that, you know, again, I'll use an example is, you know, they, they're doing really well in school and then all of a sudden, you know, they start to get involved with some substances and um, their school starts to get impacted and that could be, again, a concern for a family member. And so that might be the spark that gets that conversation going. And so one of the important things that I always say to family members and significant others is to try to have an open and supportive conversation around your concerns and, and what that looks like for you as a significant other witnessing your loved one going through something such as an addiction. It must be a difficult thing for somebody to broach with uh, somebody that they're concerned about. Yeah, absolutely. And so there are times where some families and some support systems have wonderful communication skills and are able to do it on their own. And then there are times when that's not the case. And so, um, again, reaching out to professionals who can help gauge what kinds of conversations, what kind of topics can be discussed um, is absolutely, again, recognizing that you as a significant other might need support as well, especially if the individual isn't necessarily at the place where they're ready to make changes and that's the piece, right, is is oftentimes as, as supports, we want there to be abstinence and we want there to be no substance use and no um, problem gambling or process dependency. And, and unfortunately for the individual, that's not always the case. So coming from a harm reduction philosophy is recognizing that they could moderate their use, they could make their changes. And as long as they're willing and open to having those conversations, that's a positive step in the right direction. For those who don't have that, that nice, easy relationship where they can talk among family members, they're going to need some, some extra help. Can they contact you at the Canadian Mental Health Association? Absolutely. We have various programs within our addiction program um, that they would be eligible for. And so as long as they're open and willing to access support, we are open and willing to offer those supports to the individual. It is all self-referral, so the individual does need to contact our agency directly. Um, an intake will be completed, and then, like I said, they will explore supports at the time of intake, and whichever program best fits their needs would be the program that they would access at that time. And for the individual involved, if they recognize and they've got nowhere else to turn, they don't know what to do, you do have a crisis line that uh, they can call. Yeah, so we also have a 24-7 crisis line that they absolutely can access. So if they're in the community and they're needing some additional support, um, then absolutely they can access our crisis line and hopefully get the support that they need in that very moment. How is it in terms of, of programs and, and funding and, and other uh, such things for you? I know everybody is inundated uh, these days. Uh, are you having trouble keeping up with demand? Yeah, and so I think, uh, you know, uh, and I don't necessarily like to say this, but COVID introduced us to a world of virtual services that perhaps prior to COVID we weren't necessarily utilizing as well as we could have been. And so what's come out of, of this situation is that we are able to now provide a hybrid model of services. And so what that entails is we have both um, face-to-face supports, we have group supports, and we have virtual and phone supports as well. And so that allows clients in whatever capacity that they're at um, to be able to access services that best suits their needs. Bottom line is there is help available. There's resources available for people who want to help. They just have to reach out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as family members as well, if you're struggling and needing someone to to brainstorm some possible ideas, and that, again, is something that um, can definitely be utilized as well. Maria, thanks for the insight today. Thanks for all the wonderful work you're doing to to help people get through difficult, difficult times. Thank you so much for um, this invitation and for this wonderful chat. The 24-hour crisis line is 705 728 
5044. The World Cup of Soccer is underway, Canada making only its second appearance, which has many people buzzing, not the least of whom are the people with a vested interest in the Simcoe County Rovers Soccer Club who want to make sure you're as excited as they are. Head coach Jason Beckford is with Barry 360's Will Conkin. So I hear there is a viewing party for Canada's game against Croatia on Sunday. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity for our fans to come out and, you know, and, and see, um, watch the game and get behind Canada, but also as well as to, you know, talk to some of the Simcoe over staff as well, you know, coaching staff and, you know, management teams. So it's an opportunity for us to get links with the community again, which I think is really important to the club. And we want to try and get, um, you know, play, play, sorry, players and fans more together just to make sure we are making that connection because we know we're going to need them come come uh, April time 2023 we're going to need them again when, uh, when the league one season starts these kind of like community activities or that we, we're looking to get get together I think they're, they're really important so we can make sure we get those links and start to provide, you know get some roots in the community and they understand where we are and you know we're not actually going anywhere we want them to be part of what we try to build at Simcoe Rovers so uh, and that, that, that's really important to us. What has like this meant for soccer in the Barrie area to see the men's team in the World Cup? That, that just must just give a big spark to see like these young kids seeing our countrymen make it to this top level. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I can only hope so. I mean, um, let's be honest, you know, we've had one or two false dawns, I mean, in terms of, you know, when the women, you know, the women, you know, won Olympic gold not so long ago, we've got bronze medals, back-to-back bronze medals with, with Herdman, uh, obviously had the World Cup here as well in 2015. Uh, you just hope that those kind of things kind of do spark the interest again because, you know, football is, you know, is played all over the world. Um, it's very much a cultural thing as well. And we just hope we can start to develop a kind of more of a, a football culture or soccer culture, shall we say, within the barrier all, all over, um, Ontario and Canada. Um, so that's the idea that hopefully people watch the, watch the World Cup. Um, it's, you know, TSN are doing a good job in terms of making it accessible to everybody. I think every game is going to be on, um, on TSN, so there, there shouldn't be any excuses, that, you know, why people aren't watching. Uh, the, only, the only reason, the only excuse they may have is that it might be a little bit early in the morning for one or two of the games, so... Um, that, that's what we, we hope is going to, you know, ignite something in the in the, in the community, and hopefully it's something that we can uh, keep going for in the next summer when we start League One as well. Congrats on the successful season with the Rovers. What were your biggest takeaways from the season? Uh, listen uh, again, you know, the, being the competitor that I am, and you know, the background. I mean, hope, you know, we, we'd like, I would have liked to have, have won it. Um, you know, I don't think we were that far away. I mean, the people in we played in the semi-final, we, we got beat 1-0, so 2-1. Um, the strategy that we used that particular day, um, you know, just to, you know, it, it was working, but we just didn't have the depth that we needed. So one of the things I do think is about, you know, making sure that I got the opportunity, you know, this season I'll have the opportunity to choose, you know, most of my own players in the players that I want, the ones that have good character, I think good characters, with good characters, you end up winning things. So uh, characters are, are one thing. And then obviously the, the quality and making sure we have a bit more depth and quality as well. Because I think as it came towards the end, although, you know, we did have a good season, you know, for our first season, we, you know, we've 
to be definitely, you know, surprise a few people, if you like, but, but, but put um, some markers down for next season. I think it's important that we do have a bit more um, strength in depth, um, not only in terms of quality, but in numbers as well. So that, that, that was the one thing I would say that in the end, we can just run out of, we do we just didn't have the bodies. We didn't have the bodies of quality and the numbers as well. In the end, that may have helped us get over the line. So... That's one, that, that's one of the things, that, one of the main things that I take away. Your English squad has uh, already come out hot. If uh, somehow Canada and England faced off, who'd you cheer for? Uh, England. <laughs> <laughs> Is that even a question, right? We're close, mate. The viewing party for Canada's game this Sunday, November 27th, is at the Canadian Brew House at Park Place. Arrive at 10.30. The match starts at 11. That time of year, many efforts underway to help people who need it for whatever reason. Local realtor Shannon Murray, one of those elves lending a hand, not with a stocking, but with a shoebox. Well, yes and no, but ours is specifically for women and girls, which is what I love about this one. And, you know, it's so easy. You know, so many people are asking for money and, you know, and if you want to do that, great, absolutely. But this is something that's fun for schools, for the whole family, for corporation, for friends, getting together, throwing stuff together in a shoebox and donating it to women and girls who are homeless or at risk. And there is a huge need for this because I saw a social media post of you going through Home Depot and I think you cleaned them out of those plastic (laughs) shoeboxes. I totally did, right? There were 290 shoeboxes that we were in desperate need of. And, uh, you know, it was was a lot of fun. But, you know, in all seriousness, definitely over the last couple of years, we see an increase on everything, you know, whether it's costs of of everything going up, uh, you know, challenges in people's lives, addictions, mental health, so many different things, you know, just on the cusp of home of, you know, homelessness. And we're just trying to do something special for the women and girls just to remind them that they're empowered and they're special and they're not forgotten during the holidays. You started this a few years ago and it just it keeps growing. I hate to have to say that. Yes, it's, it's kind of serendipitous in a way. And uh, I have, you know, for transparency, I didn't start it. This is actually a global charity. We are throughout Canada, U.S. and the U.K. And I'm fortunate enough that I... I'm on nine years now, and I brought it here to Simcoe County. So I've kind of also been within the infancy of it. But I saw that there was that need because I've always been affiliated with women and girls' causes here locally. What's going into the shoe boxes? Where are you getting it? And how can people help you out? Super simple. Everybody can go to shoeboxproject.com slash Simcoe for information on how they can get involved, on how they can donate, anything that they want to do. We are looking for luxury items, anything between, uh, you know, like a luxurious soap or shampoos, uh, nothing sharp, nothing with alcohol, up to $50 worth. And then they can bring it to one of our many drop-off locations throughout Simcoe County. Or, hey, if you don't have time, by all means, go to our website, donate. You get a tax refund because we are a charity and we'll put the shoebox together for you. You can do it virtually. So we're trying to make it as easy for everybody as possible. Have you had the chance to see the the faces of recipients when they get the boxes or are you handing them to shelters and they go from there? So here's the thing. It's usually anonymous. So I will hear from the organizations or the caseworkers about the impact that they'll make. So it is truly anonymous. But then what's happened, because now I'm nine years into this game, and I'm a survivor myself, which is why I'm passionate about these things. But what's really fun is 
some of the recipients have now come back and they're out of their situation and they remember how the shoebox made them feel and now they're volunteers for us. How gratifying is that? Super, super gratifying. It's, it's you know, one of the biggest things of why I love what I do. Uh, you know, I just lost my mother a couple of months ago and, and one of the greatest things about this is by giving for others, no matter what you're going through, it, it allows you to bring you joy back in your life. All right. Give us the uh, website address again if people are interested in helping out. Yes, you can go to shoeboxproject.com slash Simcoe, and that will go to us locally throughout Simcoe County. Of course, you know, again, we are Canada-wide, but shoeboxproject.com slash Simcoe. Shannon, thanks so much for everything you do. Thank you for your support, as always. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Will and Ian for their contributions and to Matt Ladder for his technical expertise. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to what Barry's talking about. Rate it. Review it. You can also keep up with what Barry's talking about on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, barry360.com. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week. 